0: Get scratching. We got an explosive broadcast coming to you. Listen up, Sega games, just keep playing them. Sega! We're back. It's the Sega Bit Swing Report Show. Get ready for Sega interviews and news with George and Barry. Hello and welcome to episode number 83 of the SEGA Bits Swingin' Report Show. We are back. I'm Barry. With me is my co-host, George. Hello, everyone. Come on, bring it up. Bring up the... We're back! <laughs> Hello,
1: everyone!
0: It's 2016. <laughs> Happy New Year, George.
1: Happy New Year, Barry.
0: So what's your resolution? What's your SEGA resolution?
1: Um, Do more Swingin' Report shows. Is that- okay. Is I was that thinking more like...
0: I was trying to make a joke like resolution, like like video resolution but you just blew it um yeah but no my resolution too is to make more episodes of the show we have been uh there's been a long gap between episode 82 with Brian Silva and episode 83 with our upcoming guest and um the reason for that is you know life gets busy I was looking for a job George was uh I don't know what the hell you were doing no I'm just kidding sleeping Sleeping, <laughs> but um, but we actually did do a lot on the site. Between then, we worked on a lot of retrospectives, which was really our uh, developer retrospectives, which was our big focus last year. And it's it will move into this year. You will see more developer retrospectives on the site, but we have other plans as well. Um, we also started a, I guess you could call it like a micro podcast, but it's only on YouTube. It's audio only, but we have little visual aids and it's called Sega News Bits. And if you listen to old episodes of the and Report show, you might remember that we we would just talk about like 10 news items that happened through the month, which was fun, but it kind of like, it's not really news if you're talking about something that happened a month ago. Um, exactly. And on top of that, you know, you want to, let's say you're the world's biggest Hasuni Miku fan. We're talking about Miku, but you got to sit through at least like 10 Shenmue minutes. You know, you don't want that. No one wants that. So exactly. what it is now, Sega News Biz, it's kind of like, you get bits of news and you can pick and choose and listen to what you want to. It's only going to take you at most 15 minutes. And you know, what's 15 minutes? Right? Nothing. I don't know. People waste time watching awful sitcoms in 15 minutes. They shouldn't do that. They should listen to Sega News Bits. So, uh, yeah. So, we're going to be continuing those into 2016. We're also going to be doing new swing and report shows. We already have a few lined up. And... Um, Anything else you wanted to add about the future of the site before we get our interview subject on?
1: Um, I just wanted to let you guys know that we'll be doing a lot of anniversary celebrations this year and that we're going to keep this show as an interview show. And that's That's it
0: all right awesome well joining us now on the line is Fabian he's the studio director at Game Atelier who is working with FDG Entertainment to release Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom which um, is it's not just a spiritual successor as we will learn when we speak with him but it's actually a full on sequel to the original Wonder Boy Monster World series why is the name different what's new about the game I guess we'll find out so let's get him on the line
2: Hi there! Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can yes. hear you. Oh, great! Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, nice meeting you. So we're uh, yeah, so we just we're really excited about your upcoming game, and we wanted to talk more about it. I know you've uh, I don't know have you done any interviews with any sites yourself?
2: Um, no, I didn't do any interviews except for uh, Games Master, like uh, it's a magazine in UK, something. Yeah. Uh, but except that, I we so far we didn't have any interviews. So you you had you are the first. Let's oh.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> that means I can use the big word exclusive first.
2: Um, um, yeah, kind of, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, I guess to, to kick things off, we wanted to talk about how, uh, or actually ask, how were you first introduced to the Wonder Boy franchise? Um, is it something you grew up playing, or did you come to it uh, later on in your life?
2: No, it's something I clearly grew up with because uh, I, as far as I remember, when I was a kid, uh, I had a master system and uh, I started to play the, um, yeah, the Wonder Boy, it's like Wonder Boy 2 and Wonder Boy 3, the Dragon Trap on this console and it's uh, really a great moment in my childhood and I played that with my brother and I really remember, yeah, it was a, a really a great great moment for gaming in my life. So of course I know the franchise from almost the start and yeah that's how I started to play these these series and after that I played of course all the other ones on the Genesis systems and even on the PC engine later so yeah uh, I think I know the series very <laughs> pretty very well.
0: So what which one's your favorite?
2: Um, for, uh, from all the series, I really love the Dragon Trap because it's um, it's introduced the transformations, and there it's only one with transformations actually, and it is really the most uh, fresh version from it's, it's it's very well balanced. Like all the RPG mechanics is really cool for the at the time it was really very advanced for the time and it has the transformation you can you have a kind of metroidvania open world system and it's pretty for me to me it's the most the, the most advanced monster world the other ones are really cool too but this one is really my favorite
0: yeah i always found that interesting about the franchise how each game is so very different that you can't really nail down a specific style, I guess you could say, in the franchise.
2: Yeah, that's right. And um, I also liked the, in a way the um, Monster Lair game in Arcade or on Genesis, because it was a shooter. So I'm really fond of shooters, so it was fun to see that they pushed in other directions of the franchise, but yeah, so it's very different, of course.
0: Interesting. So how did you break into the games industry, and can you tell us a little bit of your past work?
2: Um, myself, I started uh, to work uh, in the early 2000s, making games uh, for uh, for big internet uh, providers or for mobile phone companies, and it was like early 2000s, Flash games, you know, and after that I moved to Vivendi. At Vivendi Games, uh, I made some Java games for the early mobile phone games you could find. Then after that, uh, this is when where I I met David, who is my uh, current associate at Game Atelier, and he's in charge of the technical uh, aspect of the games, so he's a developer. Uh, and myself, I'm more um, I'm more a product project manager, like a producer. And I also do some many works, like anima, uh, animation colors and stuff like that, because we are a very small company. So uh, we met at, game, at uh, Vivendi Games. And after that, um, I moved to Konami. And he went to Gameloft. David went to Gameloft. I went to Konami. Uh, at Konami, I worked on the um, PES franchise, so Pro Evolution Soccer. And then David and I decided we would make console games. So that's how we created Game Atelier.
1: Can you tell us about Flying Hamster 2 and how he became Monster Boy? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so we,
2: when we started to work on Flying Hamster 2, it was like um, uh, we decided to make a... What's going to be our next, ge- next game? We, uh, we are all like... We really like Wonder Boy series, of course, and uh, making a Wonder Boy game was like a, kind of very how can I say, it was in our hearts for a thousand years, I guess. But for real, it was like, okay, let's try to make a Wonderboy-like game game, because we've seen that some other people uh, like Shantae series are doing very well, great job, and we really like it. And we, we thought that, okay, let's try to make a let's try to make a Wonder Boy game, like a Dragon's Trap style, but we have already our characters and the world we made with Flying Hamster, why not trying to make that uh, and create, not a shooter again, but make the the other way around than what happened with the Monster World series. They started with platformers, then they made the RPG style, then they made a shooter, but we did the other way around. We started with a shooter with Flying Hamster, and we wanted to make a... Uh, m- make the platform. Okay, we started like that, and we decided to to make a Kickstarter because the project was really huge uh, compared to what we did before. So we really wanted to have um, the attention and, of course, to have uh, the funding uh, to create something like that. So we started to work for several months on the project, and uh, what happened is very very unusual because. We few days before, like a week before launching the Kickstarter campaign, uh, we had I had a contact at uh, Hardcore Gaming 101, and he told me like, "Hey, why don't you contact the original uh, creator from Monster World, Mr. Nishizawa?" So I said, "Okay, we're not sure. Let's show him what we've done uh, with our project, our Kickstarter project." And let's show him because uh, basically, if we didn't have the Monster World games, so without his work, we will never make a game like that to now, today. So let's try that. So I sent an email to Mr. Nishizawa a week before the Kickstarter st- uh, launched. And he, actually, I didn't expect any answer from Mr. Nishizawa because I didn't know him, and just random email like that, so why not? And he answered me and said, oh, that's very interesting. Uh, Just wait a moment. I'm going to send you something. So I said, okay, thank you for your answer. And we launched a Kickstarter, and like two days or three days after the Kickstarter began, he sent me a video of himself, and he said, OK, you can use it uh, for mm-hmm. your campaign. So we never used that video. But uh, he, the video was himself showing, like, uh, oh, hi, I'm the creator of Monster World. And uh, I like the, and I support the Flying Hamster 2 campaign, Kickstarter campaign, and I'm OK to, to help them and push the project to have like some monsters and some music and some material come from the Monster World universe. So we was like, "Wow, that's super cool. That was well, totally unexpected. And it was like uh, <laughs> very weird, actually. Um, so what happened next is like uh, we started for a few days uh, for a few weeks the Kickstarter campaign. and uh, FTG Entertainment Thomas Kern, uh, came to me and he told us like, okay, Flaingham 2 is really cool. It's a very great project. Uh, we really, op- we would like to fund the project instead of going to the Kickstarter. Uh, you could just go with us as a publisher and we could work together to create the the game you want to, to make. So we, I think it is the best thing that happened to this project, because uh, I said to Thomas at FDG that okay, let's, after a few days of talking of course a lot, we said okay, let's kill the Kingsta- Kickstarter campaign and let's start to work with FDG and make um, Flying Hamster 2 happen. So it was the that was a deal. And after talking a lot with Thomas and explaining him that okay, now we have Mr. Nishizawa, the creator of Monster World in the Loop. Uh, this is really super cool. So what's gonna what we can we do with this? And he decided we decided together to do the next monster world instead of making a uh, flying hamster with a monster world flavor thing. It's like uh, let's really create the next monster world with Mr. Nishizawa all together.
0: That's awesome.
1: And uh, Sega, owns, like, Sega only owns the name Wonder Boy and Monster World, correct? And yes, does that mean that you guys have free reign and old character designs, names, and plot points?
2: Uh, yeah, basically we, don't, we just don't have the name "monster," uh, like Wonder Boy or Monster World because it's owned by SEGA. Um, but uh, everything is now owned by Mr. Nishizawa and LAD Corporation, so we have a deal with them that they are okay for us to use any kind of monsters or designs uh, or... or concepts are music so basically that means the Monster Boy game will uh, include uh, some many music you already heard in the past Monster World games so that's very interesting because we rearranged this music because I, I don't know if you've seen who's working on the music of the game but FDG made something really amazing with the uh, with this um, so let me recap a bit if you if you're okay oh yeah that's fine yeah so when we started the Flying Hamster 2 um, campaign, we had um, we had Michiro Yamane, who is a composer of Castlevania series, uh, very well known for that, and she was okay for working with us on Flying Hamster 2. We also had Mr. Uh, Motoi Sakuraba, who is very famous for the Tales of series or the what was it again? Yeah, the Dark Souls or uh, plenty of of really super games and he also was okay to work with us if uh, we succeeded with the campaign so when we started to work with FDG of course we kept these two amazing um, music composers because they are really they do fantastic job and FDG also included many other uh, many other composers uh, like Yuzo Koshiro and um, Keiki Kobayashi, like these guys are really super crazy too. And in the what happened is like we have for Monster Boy like original new tracks made for the game, and also remix like rearranged tracks uh, from the melodies you get like in Dragonstrap, like the Village song or the Beach song from Dragonstrap Two, or some music like that. We rearranged everything, and now you can. You're, yeah, it's very fresh to re-listen to these super musics at the made by super great composers at the time, and also rearranged by super great composers of like Michiro Yamane or Mr. Sakuraba. This is really yeah. The music in Monster Boy is gonna be go- very good. I can
1: guarantee that. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> awesome. It sounds yeah. It sounds like it's gonna be really good. I was gonna ask um, um how many of the tracks are gonna be like remixed tracks and how many are gonna be like brand new tracks in the game.
2: Oh, I think it was like uh, something like 50/50. Uh, like uh, half of the tracks in the game are gonna be re- rearranged tracks, and the other ones are made just for the game, new tracks. And uh, yeah, the choice of the tracks is very important. And uh, F D G made a tremendous work with the composers. They managed to 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 make something very super super matching with the game. So yeah. And I don't remember exactly the number of tracks, but yeah, I would say 50-50 for the new tracks, 50% new tracks, 50% old tracks rearranged.
0: Oh Wow, are you going to release a soundtrack?
2: Oh, I don't know that it's not very in the we don't have a plan for that for the moment, it's pretty okay. early.
0: worth asking. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, did Nishizawa bring any new ideas to the game that perhaps he wanted to implement in past games for the series?
2: Uh, that's a good question he's more um, making suggestions I'm not sure if he mentioned like I'm going to do something I wanted to make in the other games he actually is more um, trying to, to show us the way of yeah to give his feedback or stuff like that but I'm not sure about that I, I wouldn't be sure that he wants to include new new things okay. before. I don't know
1: Sure. Um how does a uh, monster boy fit in the franchise as a whole and can we expect uh, returning characters from uh, the past titles?
2: Oh, so there are some references, of course to the old monster war games. Uh, the first thing that you will see very early in the game is the pig. The pig was the um, uh, if you go to to the in the village, uh, in Monster World 3, in Wonder Boy 3, The Dragon Strap. you will go to the safe point, and the safe point is like a pig, uh, like a one-eyed pig with um, smoking a, a cigarette, and he was super cool, like uh, everybody loves his character at the time, and he was a guy <laughs> allowing you to save. So now in Monster Boy, you can play with him, because the first transformation you will have is you can play this pig, it's like a, a very reference for that, but he's the pirate pig with the one eye and the, um, and the patch on the other one, and he also smokes cigarettes if you, you know, like if you don't do anything with the character for a few seconds, he's going to start smoking a cigarette. And, yeah, and we we really love this character, so we really wanted to include it in, in the game. And the other character you can play with is like the lion. The lion was all already in the... Um, uh, in The in the Dragon's Trap, once again, and uh, and in the game there are plenty references and like you can see, if, if you remember the old games, you will say that, oh, I remember that character or that statue, it looks like something I've seen in the past games. And there are also, yeah, I won't spoil everything, but yeah, there is also a sphinx in our games. If you remember the Wonder Boy series, there was a sphinx in many of them.
1: Uh, you said it's like uh, Dragon's Trap, uh, so this is kind of like a direct sequel to that, like an evolution of that into an, a new generation.
2: Yes, that's a very. the The initial idea was to make Dragon's Trap uh, a modern version of Dragon's Trap because we wanted to keep the transformations. We wanted to keep the light RPG. Mm-hmm. And um, mechanics and stuff like that, but of course it's a very brand new game. It's like hundred uh, percent made and for the all the audiences today. So it's yeah, it's like a monster world made with the actual technology and actual like uh, designs and you know Metroidvania games uh, have evolved a lot since the '80s, and we re- just couldn't make like uh, like a HD version of the Monster Boy 3. I know there is somebody in right now working on the HD version of of Monster World 3 Dragon Trap, but Monster uh, Boy 3 Dragon Trap. But uh, we wanted to make a new game, so yeah, Monster Boy is a new game with like basically when you will play it, you will think and because you know the Monster World. Before you will think like, oh, this is the yeah they they made a new monster monster boy monster, wonder boy. But if you never played the game it, before, it's okay. It was gonna be just a very fresh new game and it's gonna be cool
1: too. I was gonna ask um like you said before um you switch and every time you switch there's each uh thing you switch to it hasn't have its own power. How do you le- design levels around that? How yeah. difficult is that?
2: That's a very interesting question, um, because first we wanted to, we was thinking a bit to the original uh, Dragon's Trap um, scheme, that's where you have to go to some special rooms to change to a new, to change your transformation, so you can control uh the level designs but in Monster Boy you can transform what, whenever you get a new orb that allows you to to transform into snake or lion or frog or whatever uh you can switch whatever you want to all your transformations so this is very important because it's very new to i guess to the fact that uh your level design is very yeah, influenced by the fact you can change your transformation. So yeah, that was a very, very complicated work to make. But it's finally it's really cool because you you don't you have the freedom to change whenever you want. And this is super cool when for instance you arrive in a situation and you say, Okay, I'm gonna I'm in this room and I don't really know what to have to do, but I know that maybe if I turn into a snake I can like crawl to the, to the sticky walls and try to go to the ceiling then I will change to the pig and use a fireball over this and, and this is really cool this is in the end it's gonna be very cool to play and it was really fun to design too
1: I was gonna ask uh, you guys were you guys talked about in the past being open to showing the game to Sega is that still a possibility and if Sega is involved and they want to change the title to Wonder Boy or Monster World would you guys be open to that too? Oh,
2: that's more a uh, question for FDG, I guess, because yeah, uh, yeah, FDG is handling the, um, the 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 license, the IP, and they are managing the what they want to do. Uh, I I think they talked to Sega in the past, and we also try to talk to Sega. But since FDG has the hand over the IP now, um, I think it's more their. Like, uh, yeah, I couldn't answer that, but I'm sure that if Sega has some plans someday, why not, like, they might talk to FDG, FDG Entertainment and maybe they could find some kind of arrangement. We are the developers of other games, so I couldn't answer for instead of them, see you know what I mean? Of course.
0: How difficult is to is it to work on a title that is going to inevitably be viewed by fans of a franchise like Wonder Boy or Monster World? Is it is it something that you really feel the pressure of, or is it something that really helps in your development?
2: Oh, this is very exciting um, because we are Monster World fans ourselves, so we don't want to disappoint the fans. Of course, you will always have some fans saying this or that, like it was better before or whatever. We all did that at some point in our lives but for real it's very exciting it's really cool to have like uh, to to say that okay we have to show something that everybody's gonna enjoy in the end so it's yeah it's pretty challenging I, I think it's good it's a good power and I like to see the comments over um many websites or you know on NeoGAF uh, forums and stuff like that it's really cool to see and I think we are the kind of developers very um, taking care a lot of, about the people, what they say. Of course, there are plenty of things we hear that are not relevant, but when it is, we like to see that, okay, let's try to work in the way people are thinking. If it's relevant, there, it's, you always have to listen to what the people have to say. This is very
0: important. Yeah, and I mean you have to balance listening to the fans and listening to yourselves because there's only so much you can do to satisfy everyone. Yes, of course,
2: and um, that's why it's very interesting. It's the first uh, project that, yeah, because I- I've been working on Pre-Evolution Soccer and there are some very huge fan base for this kind of games before um, and I remember that you you have to, yeah, it's uh, it's something we did already on several games in the past and I think we actually have some experience with working with uh, IPs that you know some people will always say something bad about or good about because and yeah in the end you we know how to manage this and to make the difference between what's good uh, to take as a reference or recommendations
0: right of course and it helps too. you guys are fans I know there have been revival games where to be honest the people developing it really don't know much about the franchise and it shows but um... the mere fact that you guys are fans if you were disappointed in the game that would be the fans being disappointed i guess so it's nice that you you have that internally as well Yes. Um, yeah, i wanted to ask how did you decide on the graphics style i know there are a lot of games out there now that emulate the eight-bit or sixteen-bit style was it always decided on that you this would be the style of graphics or did you ever think maybe of doing a, a, a retro style game?
2: Mm, that's a good question. Uh, actually, uh, it was a question we've been asking ourselves since we started Game Atelier back in 2010. Uh, because at the time, we our first game was Flying Hamster, So it was like a shooter. So shooters are retro and old school. And of course, many people are are expecting, like, okay, do something retro, retro, so do some pixel art stuff, and uh, do some, yeah, like, uh, modern things with pixels and and all. And we at Atelier have the philosophy that the graphics and the graphic cards now are getting so evolved and so calculating so many things. Let's do something really uh, modern with this. Uh, What we can do right now is, like, let's do some graphics with uh, 2D because we and hand drawn stuff and we always wanted to make like 2D games and when we think about the what happened to the games in the 80s to the 90s like uh, everything was pixels in like super low color in on the 8 like uh, the genesis or nes and when it came to the 16 bits uh, generation it it was like Super Nintendo games with super many colors, and uh, every game in 2D wanted to, to, to move towards something more like uh, anime or cartoons or stuff like that. So now we have super HD uh, screens. We have super high PlayStation 4, Xbox One console that can uh, calculate or compute everything you, you want. So let's continue to move towards the anime style. So. Most of the animations in Monster Boy I made like uh, hand drawn. It's like a frame by frame stuff. It's super like uh, full of many frames and colors and and all and it's all hand drawn. It's really cool to see on a big HD TV or stuff like that. And yeah, what we want to do is like let's make something modern with the te- actual technology and not especially make something for the fans like in. Uh, in the f- like a retro style pixel. We really love pixel stuff. It's really cool when it's well made But yeah, we, we, our philosophy is to make something really modern out of the actual technology.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Um, I wanted to mention too that the franchise, Wonder Boy franchise, turns 30 in 2016. Do you have any little plans to maybe celebrate that fact in the game itself?
2: <laughs> that's a good question. I didn't, I didn't know the exact date, actually. For the anniversary, but uh, I don't think we, we have a plan for that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like totally uh, random. I mean, we didn't expect to to release the game or something or make something for the anniversary.
1: I don't know
0: for no, real. It was meant to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you guys uh, have taken fan feedback, like you guys changed the subtitle uh, of the game. Yes. Um, anything else you guys have changed because of fan feedback?
2: Many things, yeah, many things. The Like I said, we're reading the NeoGAF forums, and not only NeoGAF, but every, uh, like every news you get regarding the game or in the monsterboy.com, um, because if you go to monsterboy.com, there is a blog, uh, uh, like a development blog, and we are reading every single uh, comment on the YouTube videos
1: or stuff like that. Uh, what platforms do you guys plan on releasing this game? And what's your uh, release date time frame?
2: So we we plan to release the game on the PS4 and um, the Xbox One platforms first. Uh, then later we want to make a Steam version, I mean a PC version. and um, But it's not going to be... The, the main thing we want to do right now is to release the game on PS4 and Xbox One simultaneously. And uh, the next uh, move will be the PC version, I guess. We'll discuss about that later. And um, for the release date, uh, it's going to be this year. But I can't promise any date right now.
1: With all the content you guys packed into this game from working, how long do you think it would take the average person to uh, complete the game?
2: So when we we do a lot of play, uh, many playtests uh, with this game, and of course, usually it's going to be, I think, around 10 hours to finish the game. But if you want to complete all the hidden stuff and secrets, I think it's going to add a couple or hours more to that. So maybe 12 hours,
1: something like that, if oh, wow. you want to do the 100%. And the game's going to have transformations? Uh, do you guys have a set amount of transformations in the game? Uh, yeah,
2: I mean there are six transformations in the game right now, so like the f- the very first transformation you will discover after being a human is like the pig, we talked a little bit earlier, and uh, every boss you beat in the game will give you an orb. This orb makes the new next transformation available, and you can switch to the transformation whatever you want by pressing the triggers. And um, in the end, every transformation is super important to make uh, to make you help you discover new areas in the game. So, yeah, it's very important because it's a very Metroidvania attitude the way that oh, I can transform in this now I can use the tongue with my frog to to go over this gap because I can uh, hang myself like Tarzan over the gap and I will discover new things. Yeah, it's very important.
1: Uh, how do you guys uh, plan on getting, like, promoting the game w- as an indie okay. developer?
2: Okay, so most of uh, what we did in the past was very, we before FDG being included in the um, in the loop with the uh, making this game, uh, we had the habit of uh, of sending many press releases to the press for our past games, uh, trying to communicate a lot over internet and all. Uh, But what we think is like, um, and I think it's some idea shared with uh, FDG, the most important thing is to have a real solid product. When you release a game and when the game is really good, it has plenty more chances than any other product on the market. So what's very important here is to focus on the quality of the game. This is the first thing we want. And as an indie developer, yes, of course we have our, our chances, and especially with FDG, um, who is actually helping us a lot with communication. They are handling like they are managing the development blog and stuff. They are communicating a lot. We, yeah, we're trying to make this happen. So the most important thing also is to have a like a. Visibility on the PlayStation Store or the Xbox Live. Yeah, it's very important because if you don't show your product and if you don't have a solid uh, video or if you... Yeah, it's super important so we, yeah, we have to work a lot on that and we have our chances uh, to, to have a little visibility to make something really great over it.
1: Uh, awesome. you, guys, you guys showed a new uh, trailer and it had like a, an animated cutscene how much of the game has an animated cutscene? Is that just what we saw or is there a lot more to it?
2: Oh, there's plenty more to it because there is a, a complete full motion animation um, for the introduction of the game and maybe a little bit more but I can't tell everything right now. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but yeah, but there of course there will be the introduction in animation. Uh, it's been made by a team of uh, yeah, of super crazy guys who made a tremendous, like a very great work and it's really giving, uh, this was something we wanted to make with the Flying Hamster 2 project and uh, going with FDG gave us the, yeah, yeah. like the enough, um, me, like uh, how can I say, they gave us enough funds to make this and also enough funds to have the full animation as an introduction, it's really giving the like the tone when before com- beginning the game. This is very important. You will, I'm sure, guys, you will love it.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. that's great. Uh, George, did you have any more questions?
1: Um, I was just gonna ask him how hard is it to work with Japanese? Uh, like, you guys have a lot of Japanese people involved in the project. How how do you guys handle that?
2: Um, actually, it's um, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty easy to work with them. They are very careful, and nowadays the this is we are living in a in a moment where translating stuff over uh, Google translations can help a lot, and even <laughs> if it's very um, how can I say uh, not f- accurate all the time, it's super cool to to talk with them and to exchange, even if if. Yeah, they, they, they exactly know where we want to go. And uh, they are also suggesting many things. And they are, yeah, like the user Koshiro team made uh, super great things over the, for instance, yeah. I remember that they, they were thinking like, OK, let's try to make something. Uh, they, they first listened to one music from Mr. Motoi Sakuraba. And the music was made for the final boss or something. And Mr. Koshiro discussed a lot with us. Like, okay, uh, this is great. This is really cool, super RPG style, but a bit too epic if we use the same music for the other bosses. So I'm gonna, Mr. Koshiro said, let's try to find something more uh, wonderboyish, like uh, for the bus, the other boss battles in the game. Yeah, because at the time we just had one music for all the bosses. And, yeah, and he, and he brought the new music for the buses, and it's really super cool. It's like a, yeah, it's a very matching, and, yeah, these guys are super professional guys. Like, all the the guys we have in Japan working in the game, whatever, this is Mr. Nishizawa himself, or all the musicians, they are all crazy uh, professional guys, and they are such super interesting and relevant stuff, and very... Every time you listen to their work or see what they produce, it's like wow, well, super great. So no problem with beginning with them.
1: So uh, you guys just released one trailer, right? Um, are you guys planning on doing like more media?
2: Oh yes, sure. We hope to show you more of the game, but I can't tell more about that right now. But of course, uh, the the very interesting thing is like we're gonna show you more later. This was just an appetizer.
1: Okay, uh my last question is uh do you guys have a price point for the game?
2: Uh yes, uh, actually we are not uh, having a X, like a precise but it's not going to be over 20 bucks for downloading the game over the PlayStation Network or the Xbox Live.
0: Okay. That's a good price. Well, Fabian, I just wanted to thank you so much for speaking with us. We're really looking forward to Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom and of course if there's anything we can do to help maybe promote the game or if you want to come back and talk about it once the game releases, we'll definitely be in touch with you and with uh, our contacts at FDG Entertainment. This is
2: really good. Thank you very much and you guys keep up the good work because it's really cool to keep like having a real website uh, with like old school attitude uh, regarding the new games too and uh, I really like that I've seen your, I listened to your podcast before and it's really cool to be on, on air with you right now guys Oh, thank you so much oh, and you thanks. know what we,
0: we took a long break but you're our first episode bringing us back and we're going to keep releasing more episodes so um, even if you don't listen to this one because you were already on it uh, definitely be on the lookout for more in the future Um, So again, Fabian, studio director of Game Atelier, thank you so much for speaking with us.
2: Thanks a lot, guys, and yeah, and very welcome again for being on your show.
0: Uh, Thank you so much. Take care.
2: Yeah, okay, see you guys.
0: Show is production of Sega Bits. Sega Bits is a fan site that is not in any way officially affiliated with Sega. Sonic the Hedgehog and all Sega-related trademarks are copyright Sega. All other featured trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Don't forget to check out SegaBits.com and you can find us on all major social networks. Just search Sega Bits.